Hello, everyone, and happy But Did They Do It Tuesday. I am your host, McKinley Daw, and I hope you guys are all having a fantastic week. I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to get an episode up last week. I pre-recorded two episodes to be put up while I was gone on my trip, and I went to edit them on the ride to the airport, and I started editing the second one and the audio quality was just horrible and I was like I cannot put this out so very sorry for that but my trip was really good (laughs) I would 100% recommend visiting Europe it's amazing Uh, we went really hard we visited a lot of sites it was super fun my voice is a little bit scratchy. I definitely have like a little bit of a sore throat, but I'm good. All is well. Um, but let's just hop right into the episode today. So today I kind of decided to switch it up with what case we're going to do. So today we are doing um, a Supreme Court case and I kind of knew about this case before I ever did research for this episode and we talked a lot about it in my American government class uh, my senior year and it really piqued my interest when we talked about it and it has to do with the theme of this podcast so I figured why not it's actually pretty interesting so there actually isn't a murder in this case it actually has to do with a simple robbery but then it obviously ended up being anything but simple because the supreme court got involved and obviously that's not a simple process so clarence earl gideon was known as the kid who ran away from home in middle school and only had up to an eighth grade education throughout gideon's life he drifted from town to town and spent time in jail in various places for petty nonviolent crimes. So he's basically just kind of, for a majority of his life, he's just been drifting from town to town. I couldn't find anywhere, uh, like, a reason as to why he ran away from home. I really have absolutely no idea about that. But it's kind of crazy that, a kid that young can just kind of drift from town to town and be fine. So eventually, at the age of 50, Gideon ended up in Panama City, Florida. So on June 3rd, 1961, at around 5.30 a.m., someone smashed a window at the Bay Harbor Pool Room, which a pool room is basically just a bar, essentially. And that person went in and stole a couple things. They stole a dozen bottles of beer, a dozen Coke bottles, several bottles of wine, $5 from the cigarette machine, and $60 from the jukebox. Now, that, I guess at least in my opinion, isn't a ton of stuff like... I just think it's funny how such a big deal got made out of a few bottles of beer, a few Coke bottles, some wine, and 65 bucks. And this seems nuts to me. But police arrested Gideon 
or Clarence Earl Gideon, but he's commonly referred to in most sources as Gideon, so I'm just going to refer to him as that. So they arrested him and charged him with breaking and entering with the intent to steal. So the only reason the police arrested Gideon for supposedly robbing the pool room was because a man named Henry Cook, who was 20 years old, claimed he witnessed Gideon breaking and entering, but he didn't do anything about it, which is kind of weird. You're just going to like sit there and be like, oh, it's getting robbed. That's cool. I'm not, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and watch, watch this all play out. This like, you think the, obviously he wasn't thinking about doing the right thing. You would think you'd like call the police and be like, oh my gosh, someone's robbing the pool room, but no. So a few months later on August 4th, 1961, Gideon's trial was held. So, his case appeared before the court of Judge Robert L. McCrary Jr. It's a really long name. The jury was made up of six white men, which juries, at least to my knowledge, are usually made up of about 12 people. So, I was confused about this, so I looked it up, and I found that a jury can be made up of a minimum of six people and a maximum of 12 people. So... It can kind of vary. And then there's always like alternates. But they don't really count as the makeup of the jury, if that makes sense. So Gideon was unable to pay for legal counsel. So you would think at this point, the court would be like, oh yeah, for sure, dude. Like, here's your court appointed lawyer that you're constitutionally entitled to. And we'll give you some time to prepare your case so that it's all fair and everything and we'll hold this trial later but the judge told Gideon basically well the law doesn't require me to provide you a lawyer since this isn't a super serious crime like murder so I'm not going to give you a lawyer and you'll just basically have to figure it out on your own and he has an eighth grade education up to an eighth grade education so He doesn't really have a deep understanding of the law, and I don't think a lot of people do unless you become a lawyer. So I'm going to try and kind of give you guys a deeper background as to why the judge could actually do this. So the Supreme Court ruling in Betts v. Brady in 1942 determined that the Sixth Amendment, which states that you have the right to an attorney, um, basically this new ruling said that that states didn't have to provide legal counsel to poor defendants who committed a felony at trial. So basically, Gideon couldn't afford legal counsel because he was poor. He was the poor defendant, and he hadn't committed a murder or anything that they deemed serious, so he doesn't get an attorney. That, like, directly contradicts our Sixth Amendment right, which I don't, I don't really understand Betsy Brady, why this even happened. I guess it is to kind of save money, but don't be cheap. Just spend the money. It's worth it. Like, so with no other options presented to him, Gideon had to defend himself with what limited education he had. 
So he made a weak opening statement and made several failed attempts to examine his witnesses as well as the state's witnesses. Because he obviously had a lack in legal training, he was unable to expose the obvious weaknesses in the prosecution's case. So Henry Cook, the man who said he saw Gideon breaking in and stealing from the Bay Harbor pool room, also said that his friends dropped him off at the exact location and time of the crime after a night of dancing, which it's 5.30 in the morning. What are you doing outside the pool room just watching this happen and not saying anything to anyone? And they'll kind of talk about this later on. And you kind of see, like, why this doesn't really make sense. But um, I would recommend watching the movie Gideon's Trumpet. It's a movie all about this case. It's actually really well done. And it really does give you, like, a super deep understanding of it and, like, what happened. So that's just a movie recommendation. So... Because of Henry Cook's testimony, the jury found him guilty and the judge sentenced Gideon to the maximum sentence of five years for this crime. So once Gideon got to prison, he started to do some research and found that according to the Constitution, he did have the right to an attorney. So as he spent more time in prison, he actually realized that the same thing had happened to several other people whom he met. So it really wasn't just him who wasn't given a lawyer. So Gideon wrote a petition to the Florida Supreme Court for a writ of habeas corpus. So in simple terms, habeas corpus is basically just a fundamental right in the Constitution that that protects against unlawful and indefinite imprisonment. So he's basically saying, I didn't do this. I'm in here for the wrong reasons my imprisonment is unlawful, is essentially what he's trying to petition to the Florida Supreme Court. So the Florida Supreme Court denied his petition, unfortunately, and he was basically like, I don't know what to do. There isn't much else I can do. But as a last resort, Gideon submitted a handwritten petition to the United States Supreme Court. And in the movie, at least, they say that it's a requirement for Supreme Court petitions to be in type, not in, like, handwriting. Basically, your, if you want to submit a petition to the Supreme Court, it has to be typed. Anyways, so the Supreme Court accepted his handwritten petition, and this is pretty monumental because... The Supreme Court receives thousands of cases every year, and they only take a couple hundred of those. I think 100. They just, if it's a lot of cases go through, it takes time, and so they can't really get through every single one of them. And they only handle cases where your constitutional right has been violated. So this case does fit with that, but a lot of people submit cases that don't. Anyways, so for this hearing of his case to the Supreme Court, he was appointed a team of lawyers, finally, led by a renowned Washington attorney whose name was Abe Fortas. So the argument was presented to the Supreme Court in 1963, and Fortas argued that the 
right to an attorney was the only way for a fair trial, and that even a competent criminal could not defend himself effectively without a comprehensive understanding of the law. He also argued, saying, quote, How can a judge, when a man is arraigned, looking at him and say there are special circumstances? Does the judge say, you look stupid, or your case involves complicated facts? It is administratively unworkable, post quote. So he's basically saying that Betts v. Brady didn't create a clear standard for states to follow, so they all just kind of made it up as they went and made up whatever laws they want and just used the Supreme Court case as the excuse to make them. So the Assistant Attorney General of Florida said that each state should have the right to decide when and under what circumstances lawyers should be appointed to defendants who cannot afford it. He even said, and this part is just ridiculous to me, he said that providing legal counsel to all of those who could afford it would be a tremendous burden on the taxpayers. Now, I'm only 17 years old. I'm not paying a lot of taxes. I pay income tax, and that's really about it. But if when I'm like paying obviously more taxes than I am now, I don't think that getting legal counsel for those who can afford it would be a tremendous burden on me. Like I'll pay my taxes and I would rather have innocent people get legal counsel than for them to be completely and utterly mortified when they have to defend themselves in court. So I don't know what everyone else's opinion is on that, but I just don't think that that'd be like a huge burden on taxpayers. Anyways, so the Supreme Court did rule in Gideon's favor and they overturned Betts v. Brady. So they held that any person who is being charged with a crime should have the right to an attorney no matter their financial status. They asserted that the right to have an attorney is a fundamental right and that, and that the Sixth Amendment does make the right constitutionally required in state courts. They reversed Gideon's conviction as well. So now Gideon, going back to his second trial, kind of wanted to argue that he shouldn't be tried again because of the double jeopardy rule. So the double jeopardy rule basically says that you can't be tried twice for the same crime. But because he wrote the petition and got his conviction overturned, he has to once again prove that he's innocent because he's claiming that he's innocent. He wrote the petition. The Supreme Court granted him a new trial. So he has to prove again that he's innocent. So at the second trial, he was appointed a local defense attorney whose name was W. Fred Turner. So Turner investigated the crime scene and discovered that Henry Cook, the state's star witness, could not have seen Gideon in the poorroom stealing because there are advertising boards in the window that would have blocked his view. When Henry was on the stand, Turner presented him with this inconsistency and asked him, like, why were you outside the poorroom at 5.30 in the morning? Like, why is no one asking him why he was there? So Henry basically said the same thing he said at trial. The, the spiel of, my friends dropped me off, I saw him do it, blah, 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 blah. So Turner then asked him, 
why are your friends dropping you off two blocks from your house when they already drove 60 miles from this dance hall where they were at that night? And then this is kind of where Henry's story began to fall apart. So he said that he just wanted to hang out there until the pool hall opened at 7 a.m. So he's going to wait there for an hour and a half. Weird. Anyways, so Turner then began to accuse him of being a lookout for his friends who actually committed the crime. And everything basically starts to fall apart for the state at this point. So Turner also called a witness who testified that Henry told him that that he thought he saw Mr. Gideon, but he wasn't sure. And after only an hour of deliberation, the jury found him not guilty and he was free after serving two of the five years he was sentenced in prison. Because of this groundbreaking Supreme Court case and Clarence Earl Gideon's passion for his constitutional rights and for finding the truth, everyone has the right to an attorney when being prosecuted. And that is the story of the Gideon v. Wainwright case. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. It is definitely a little bit different from what I normally do. It's a little bit more educational. But I have really been fascinated with the whole legal aspect of this case and the process of it all. Um, Once again, I'm so sorry we didn't have an episode last week. Hopefully... I don't think there will be any more scenarios where I'll have to pre-record. I think maybe a few, but I will make sure the audio quality is good before I edit. Anyways, um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram so that you can see all the pictures associated with the case. And if you haven't, go back and listen to our other episodes. Like, the other episodes, in my opinion, I may be a little biased, but they're on really interesting cases. So, go back and take a look at them, and so don't, uh, at our, our Instagram is at but did they do it pod, and don't forget to tune in next week for a brand new episode. I have a super interesting case for next week, so don't forget to tune in for that. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Bye.